What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is your host, Juan Gray, and welcome to the Words to Success show. On here, we have raw conversations with the most incredible, influential, and fascinating minds on the planet that help you get closer to your own version of personal success. On today's episode, I am bringing on Sam Corso, who is a tech CEO, founder, and someone who is just a badass in the software world. He's been developing applications since he was a teenager and later founded a full-stack software studio in 2016 that helps brands build innovative products, unlock new revenue streams by improving their business model, and brings his clients into whole new markets. On the show, we talk about what are the big upcoming opportunities in technology, how to go from just an idea that everyone has, right, to an MVP, and then a product, and how to set up your startup team for fast iteration and real long-term success. This is a fun episode, and Sam drops a lot of information that is valuable, obviously, for people in tech, you know, tech girls, tech guys, but also people who want to get into software maybe in the future. You never know, because the reality is that where the world's heading is in technology, software, and in that direction, that's for sure. So if you guys like that, let me know. And uh, if you get value of the show, we appreciate a review on iTunes so more people can gain you know, from this and learn about the show. So that's it. All right. I'll see you in there. Let's get it. Vamos. Vamos. By what am I really interested and passionate about? And then think about, you know, how can I take this to the next level and, and make it my own? And it was really important that we were out in the field meeting people and, and building our network. And now, you know, we're entering this Web3 movement, this, this blockchain, this decentralized movement, which is in some ways a return to the internet of the past. Sam Corso, welcome to the most badass show on the planet, my man. How do you do? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Juan. It's great to be here. Absolutely. You enjoying New York or what? Yeah, man. It's it's a nice day out here, about 80. Enjoying it. Yeah. So what did you do today? Uh, a little consulting work. You know, Fridays are, are pretty pretty flexible for me. I'm enjoying it. Amazing, man. Amazing. So dude, let's let's uh dial into you know, how you started your your development studio, I think that's something that's really interesting. And you're very young as well. So I know you started, you know, in your entrepreneurship journey early on. So um, we have so many people that are interested in tech or are, you know, tech entrepreneurs that listen to Words Success. And we get a lot of different questions about it. So that's something that I'd like to talk with you being a you know tech entrepreneur yourself. So, so what, what is it that got you into this field in the first place? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one that I have to think about sometimes as well. I mean, I remember a turning point was, um, you know, pretty young, being first exposed to computers and just being so fascinated with the inner workings. I mean, I remember the first computer I ever had, I was taking it apart and switching parts in and out. And I was so interested with the hardware. But, you know, I realized, you know, there's another component to it, which is the software. And as young as probably like 12 years old, I was, I was starting to tinker with software development, and that's really what kind of kicked it off, I would say. But um, yeah, I, I just got started with it really young, and and I, I saw so much potential for it. I, I knew it was the future in a lot of ways, and I said I can really make a career out of this, and and you know make it more than just like a childhood hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about it being the future. How do you see 
tech being like the future right now? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's, um, I think it's Peter Thiel who says, you know, software is eating the world. And he's, he's absolutely right about that because that's just, that's just the nature of, of the evolution of where we're going in the sense that, you know, so much of our world is being digitized and, you know, software is, is at the helm of so many different aspects of, of what we do and, and, you know, so many different industries that, um, you know, it, it's, it's just such a vital skill and uh, something that's so high in demand. And that's really what drew me to it um, because it's, again, it's everywhere. I mean, you can't really go outside and interact with, with any type of environment and not be touching software. I mean, I even walk downstairs and I go to the, a local restaurant and they're, they're charging my card using some, some payment software. Um, you know, even something as simple as that. And again, software is everywhere, man. So that's, that's really, you know, the realization that I had and, and, um, why I'm, I'm so fascinated with the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being in a software company, right. Or in a tech company, like I, like I am, uh, you, you know, a lot, there's so many different aspects to running a tech company, right? And a lot of people, when they say, oh, you're, you're in tech, they think 100%, oh, you're the developer, you're the person who's coding all day, but there's a whole team, you know? So um, what is it that interests you the most about basically being, being involved or, or you know, because um, I know you're an entrepreneur as well, right? You're not, you're not uh, only a developer, um, purely a coder. So what's, what's the, the side of, of it that interests you the most? Yeah, so I mean, it's a kind of a, a good foray into just a little bit about my background. So I had started, you know, as just a software developer, mainly doing freelance work for people as as young as a middle schooler and, and as a high schooler as well. And then I, I got to college and, you know, I said, I'm, I'm interested in being an entrepreneur and doing more with this than just being a, a software developer. And, you know, at the same time, I had a lot of people that were coming to me with software development projects, so many that it was too much for just one person to do. So I said, you know, why don't I kind of put all the pieces together and kind of branch this out into a software development company? And that's that's really how I, it got started as a probably as like a freshman in, in college. Um, so, you know, through that experience, now I've been able to do so much more than just software development. I've been able to hire and, and grow and manage teams of software developers working on multiple projects at once. You know, I'm not just interfacing with developers, but also with clients. I'm, I'm out there, you know, finding new clients and helping them to manage their software development projects. Um, and then just running a business, you know, that that's the other huge component to it, you know, paying the bills and and making sure that uh, everything is in is in place, you know, having this software development company is, has really exposed me to all of that, and it's it's so much more than just software. Um, if I had to be honest, I would say, you know, the the nitty gritty of of developing, you know, awesome software is probably the the best part about it for me. But um, I have experience doing it all, and I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the studio that you created is a full-stack um, development studio. So for people who maybe are not in tech, can you can you explain that a little more? Sure. So, you know, the term full-stack is, you know, used to describe 
usually two basic uh, elements of, of a software application. So you have your back end, um, and then you have your front end. Your back end is usually like uh, the web services that provide the functionality to your application, and your front end is like the user interface. So just to make it a really simple example, think of you know an application like uh, Instagram, right? So you go on Instagram and you're interfacing with this mobile application, um, and the, the application that you're looking at and seeing is your front end, but then there's another application on the back end that's providing all the functionality. So like when you go and you like a picture or you go to someone's profile or you know you leave a comment, there's an application that's that's doing all of that functionality, quote unquote, in the back end. So you know you put those two different components together and they speak to each other, um, and and that's really what what full stack is all about. So you know me being a full stack developer, you know when I started this, I said there's no reason that we have to be solely focused on front end or back end. We're we're proficient with both, so we're really a, a full stack software studio. Yeah. Yeah, and when you're dealing with someone who is full stack, it's it's cool as you know as an entrepreneur because you know that both sides can be taken care of, right? Um, obviously, depending on as you grow, you, you need people that are focused specifically and on on the you know the back side, um, you know on the on the front end, back end. But having someone who can really understand both and really you know makes yeah. it it's, it's really important. Yeah. Especially as an early stage startup, I mean, when you're when you're so early stage, it's it's kind of difficult to to start putting people into boxes and and expecting them to specialize. I mean, that's even just a trend in in startups in general is that software engineers are being expected to do so much more nowadays than when they when software development first started. I mean, you know, when people first started writing software, usually. The, the developers were very focused on certain parts of the application. You were like, you were a network engineer and you were just focused on networking or you were just focused on the servers or you were just focused on the back end or you were just focused on the web interfaces. But nowadays, when especially, for, again, for these early stage software companies, they're going and they're hiring these people and saying, do all of it, you know, because we have to. And that's that's just the reality of being an early stage company. So it's, it's really good when you have those types of full stack resources. Yeah. So let's go to, you know, someone who has an idea, right? And this is something that we get a lot of questions about. Um, so let's say someone who has an idea about a software, maybe maybe he's an entrepreneur, maybe not, and he's he has this idea and wants to bring it to life, but has absolutely no experience in in tech at all and doesn't know how to go about it to build either an application, a software that can be used by businesses. Um, but there's clearly a problem, has an idea, a solution, and wants to bring it to life. How do you how do you go about that? In your opinion, what's the best way of kind of structuring that uh, that uh, yeah with that journey? Yeah, I mean that that's really the bulk of my work. I mean, I meet people that come to me with an idea on a napkin, and they say, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. Now help me do it because I just don't know how. And you know, the goal of of my agency and and my work is to kind of help them take that idea and, and bring it to MVP and, and really beyond that stage. Um, you know, in terms of what that looks like, you know, you said something that speaks right to the very foundation and that's, you know, identifying an actual problem and having a solution because there's too many software startups, even, 
big software startups and glamorized Silicon Valley software startups with, you know, tens of millions of dollars behind them that aren't solving an actual problem. And, you know, as a startup, when you're doing that, you, you've kind of set yourself on a faulty foundation, you know, mm-hmm. because why would you build something that that's not a problem or, you know, try to solve something that's not a problem in the first place. But, you know, really beyond that point, um, you know, that, that's where we kind of jump in and, and helping you take something that you've identified as a problem and, and take it to market. Um, you know, the first thing we have to do is start to define the requirements. So we'll do things like, um, you know, writing out user stories. So we'll go and we'll identify the different types of users. For example, um, a regular, you know, customer versus an admin user versus, uh, you know, all different types of users that an application can have. We go and we define the users and write stories for them. Meaning like how will this type of user interface with this application. And then as we write out the user stories, the rest of the application kind of unfolds. So if you know you have a, a user that is going to have the ability to create a post, right, on a newsfeed, for example, so we're building like a social media type application, then the rest starts to unfold. That means that we need to have a database with a user table and we need to make a, a backend with APIs for a user. And, you know, like I said, everything really just unfolds from just defining that basic user story. So what we do as part of our agency is we work with the client to understand the business logic and to understand the user stories that they have in mind. And then we go and we kind of abstract away the rest of it, you know, the, the deep technological, I should say technical parts of it and we handle that for them. So like I said, that's, you know, designing um, APIs for your backend and then, um, you know, designing your, your database architecture. We, we do all of that for you. Um, but it's also a collaborative, a collaborative process in the sense of, you know, we'll go and we'll do something and then we'll, we'll come back to you and we'll discuss it. And it's, it's iterative. I mean, something that's important to, to mention about software development is that, it's not like you just define something one time and build it and then never touch it again. You know, you think about the first version of Facebook or Instagram and then you think about it now and all of the improvements that have, have been made, you know, that's because software is an iterative process. So we'll work with our clients to define requirements, but they're always changing and evolving over time as we kind of go back and forth interfacing with our clients. So yeah, like I said, we define our user stories and then the rest of it really just unfolds in terms of, um, you know, the, the architecture of the application and what has to be built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned something. So the first version of Instagram, the first version of Facebook, right? They all were they were solving that first initial problem, right? And they were solving. They didn't have all the amount of features that they have right now. Because if that would have happened nobody would have been able to embrace it because it would have been way too confusing. And that's something that sometimes people come to me and they want to do all this. And it's literally like combining every social network into one. And, and it's like, okay, like if you're not solving a problem at the base, you know, that is different. And that then every other cool feature that adds value, you know, you add, you're able to add it later. If at the core, your core, core problem, you're not, there's nothing to solve there. Then in my opinion, you don't really have anything. Right. So if, Instagram when they first started 
you know, at its core, it was a, they would post pictures and you'd be able to add a filter. And that enough, that was enough to people to be like, yo, that's so cool. I could take a picture with my phone right now and it's going to look so cool and I could add this filter to it, right? And right. then we're able to, you know what, I, I want to go see other people's profiles. I want to go, oh, maybe I can give it a like so people, you know, they see that I can, I can engage with them. Then I can, oh, uh, comment. And then remember, there was not even videos for the first little while. Then videos came out. Now there's stories and lives and all kinds of different things, but it didn't absolutely start there. Same thing with Facebook, right? So people have to really understand what it is in my software, in my application, and in my business that really is that thing that stands out, is unique, is important to solve. And then I can start creating like a whole world around it as I go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a big part of, you know, working with their clients to help them define their requirements because, like you said, you know, people come to us all the time and they they have the next Facebook or the next Uber and they want to go and build out, you know, a ridiculous amount of features and, you know, they have this huge roadmap and we often have to say, you know, hold on a minute. You know, why are you going to spend six figures to build out this huge application with all the you know this huge robust application with all these features you know and you haven't even considered you know to your point like what is your unique value proposition what is the one or two core features that you need to demonstrate in your first version of your platform and then you can go and worry about all the other features later and that's very related to what i'm saying about software development being an iterative process because you know you're you're not supposed to build software one time and release it and that's that's your product it's not like you know it's baking a cookie and you can only bake a cookie one time you can't keep rebaking it software is designed to be an iterative process where over time you release new versions with new features and new additions and doing it that way is a smart way because not only do you save money but you save time i mean if i was to go today and try to rebuild the entire, you know, Facebook from scratch, it would take me years and it wouldn't make any sense either. But if I could say, let me build, you know, my differentiated version of Facebook with just these one or two core features, I could do that in weeks or, or even months. And, you know, that is a smarter way to think about software development. Absolutely. And so was there um, yeah, an application or software that you built that completely or any business in general that completely went you know south didn't go well at all and like what, what was your big learning experience because everyone has has those stories yeah i mean it's kind of just the nature of startups i mean like i said the bulk of our work is is with early stage startups that usually just come to us with an idea like they're pre-seed stage you know and when you're working with startups like that you have to think about it kind of like a funnel and there's a, a lot of startups here at the top, but over time, the funnel kind of narrows as a lot of startups kind of die out. You know, they say something like 90% of startups fail, and that's, that's the reality of it. So there's, there's definitely been a lot of startups that we've worked with that, you know, for one reason or another, things didn't pan out. And, you know, I think the biggest lesson or the biggest takeaway from, from any of those stories is, you know, making sure you're building on the right foundation. And, you know, there's different layers to that. I mean, there's, there's a technical layer to that in terms of choosing the right technologies and stuff like that. And we'll probably get into that in a minute. But, you know, there's also the business layer, which is what we were talking about before in the sense of, you know, have I identified the core problem? Have I, you know, tested the market to ensure that this is 
actually a problem that people are willing to pay to solve. I mean, because there's so many startups that are solving problems that people don't even want to pay for. And if that's the case, like, how can you create a, a sustainable business around that? It's, it's a very hard thing to do. But, you know, that's like what I'm saying, you know, about having a, a solid foundation to build upon. Um, because if not, you know, you're in for trouble at one point or another. Mm-hmm. So let's just say mobile applications that, you know, when sometimes, you know, I have people that come into like, oh, I want to build this application. And, and I'm like, okay, well, how are you monetizing, right? So how are you making money? At the end of the day, you can have the great idea, but if it's not a way that you can't, you don't find a way to monetize it properly and something that can, you know, scale, you, you kind of just stop there. And a lot of times, like, oh, well, the data, right? Like we can sell the data and the data is going to be very, very valuable because of this, this, that. So how do you, how do you um, kind of explain that and how, what are, what are your ways of kind of seeing applications that, you know, people that say, you know, the data is going to be what's going to be making us money? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of the areas where, you know, myself or my team can be most valuable. And, and the biggest asset to a startup is identifying different avenues for them to monetize what we're building for them. Because really, at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about, you know. So um, it, it kind of depends on the use case and the specific product because there's so many different ways to monetize an app. And it just depends on what you're doing. I mean, a lot of applications out there have this very viral nature to them and they're they're kind of competing for eye time you know and and how much time people will spend using their applications and they design all of these types of hooks to kind of keep people uh using them and a lot of times applications like that give way to um, advertising business models because you know that's kind of how advertising anywhere else works it's all about competing for people's attention you know, but then there's other startups that come to me and they say, we want to advertise. And I say, you know, the product that you're building doesn't really give way to that because it just, just doesn't make sense for you to monetize this application with advertisements. Let's think about other ways. So then, you know, another popular way can be when we go and we build a, a backend or like what we call like an API for our client. Yeah. And we say, you know, let's think about other ways that this backend could be used. So say, for example, we go and we build you this backend and we build you this front end and the initial version of your application, the only quote unquote client that's using your backend is that, that front end that we've built for you, right? But in the future, maybe there's multiple clients or multiple types of applications that are using your backend. So, you know, to give a very practical example, think of PayPal, right? So like PayPal is... Um, a website, you know, that you can go on and use to send payments to people and create invoices, et cetera. So mm-hmm. paypal.com is a client for, for PayPal's backend that they've built. But PayPal saw explosive growth, not just through people using their website, paypal.com, but through people using their API, right? So now say I am a business and I create an e-commerce website and I want to accept payments on my website. I can integrate PayPal's API into my website. Now my website is using PayPal's API as a client. The beauty of this for PayPal is I'm paying per use. So say I'm processing thousands of transactions per day on my e-commerce site, each transaction I'm paying PayPal a fee to use their API. And that can that can add up and be a lot of money, even if it's only 
you know, a small percentage or, or just cents per transaction. That can add up to be a lot. But the real beauty of this business model is how well it scales. Because you build an API only once, right? I mean, obviously, again, it's an iterative process and you improve it over time. But it's not like, like baking cookies where if I want to sell 40 cookies to 40 people, you know, I, I have to make 1,600 cookies. I build an API once and I can have 1,600 people use that one API and they're all paying me to use it 24-7, you know, and thinking about how well that business model scales, that's something that really attracted me to software and saying, you know, think about scalable web services that we can build and how it unlocks these really unique and, and scalable business models. And this is really what's so interesting about, about technology startups, you know, beyond just these basic business models like advertising. Yeah. I want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Vessi Footwear. They are literally the only everyday sneakers that you can actually wear every day. They are super stylish, 100% waterproof, breathable, extremely comfortable, oh, and they're even vegan. Honestly, when I found out about this brand, I knew I wanted to try them out. And after I did, I hit them up to work right away because after wearing them for months, I genuinely love the product and want to support so more people can actually enjoy the Vessi shoes as well. To check them out, you can go to vessifootwear.com. That's V-E-S-S-I footwear.com. And I can guarantee you won't regret it. Let's get back to the show. Vamos. So give me an example of, of or we come up with an idea. So let's just give me an example of an idea. And then from there, you take that and turn it into an API that you can then sell to multiple different companies or multiple different applications to scale. What does that, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it, it can really be for anything. So um, I'll give you like an abstract example of something that we, we've actually done. So, you know, we, we worked with this client um, that has been in uh, a specific industry, uh, actually the, the trucking industry, for, for many years, you know, like 15 years. And you look at that and you say, like, what is, what is a trucking company? You know, like they, they literally have a fleet of trucks. Like what are they what are they doing with software and why are they hiring software developers? You know, and they, they had this idea for uh, a software application um, that would kind of be almost like Uber for their industry, right? Um, so, you know, the uh, initial idea was to build an application that would, you know, have like this, this one client, right? So like this, this one front end, this one mobile application that, that everyone would use. But, you know, now, you know, we're starting to think about like, hey, you know, who else would use this backend? Maybe it's logistics providers, maybe it's carriers, maybe it's shippers. You know, they all have their own internal systems that they use. So maybe they don't want to use our mobile application. Maybe they want to use their own system and integrate with our system and integrate with our APIs. And that's very interesting because Again, we can build one API that's being used by tens or hundreds or even thousands of different types of companies, whether it's, again, logistics companies, carriers, shippers, um, you name it, you know? And, and that's really where software starts to get interesting because, you know, software is all about interfaces and abstraction. Yeah. You know, when you build software, you're trying to think about, you know, how can I build 
um, something that's abstracted enough that it can serve multiple purposes. You know, it's, it's, it's always better to build modular software that can serve different purposes. So when we go and we build an application like this and we say, sure, here's this initial use case, but let's build it in a way that it can also be used for X, Y, and Z other use cases, that's, that's really when you're using software the right way and really where a technology startup can scale. Uh-huh. No, no, I, I totally agree with that. And right now you're doing, you're doing consulting as well, right? So um, how, how do you manage that, your, your business, and then consulting at the same time? What is, what is the, I know it goes very well hand in hand, but what was the process of kind of starting that consultant, consulting uh, basically business on the side? I think it's something that goes very organically, right? When you, people are like, hey, I know you do this, and I do this, can you help me? It's very organic, but let's just say for people who are maybe interested in getting into um, into consulting in, in any kind of diff- different industry, what is your advice for someone who's doing that? Yeah, it's just build your network. I mean, um, especially when I first started the business and we didn't have any clients, right? It was really important that we were out in the field meeting people and, and building our network um, because that's how a, a business like this grows and scales. And you go out there and you find one or two clients and you do a great job. Maybe even you have to go offer them a discount because you're in a, they're your first clients. But you do a great job and they start referring you. And it's almost like a tree. Your network starts to branch out and everyone's making referrals. And they go from a handful of clients to, to dozens. Um, but, you know, for me, my consulting work has been, you know, there's, there's always, you know, people that, you know, want me to kind of dig deeper. So, you know, it's one thing to kind of be like a, a hired hand and, you know, someone pays you X amount of dollars and your agency does this work for them and then you hand it off and that, that's it. But a lot of times when you're working with these startups and these companies and they're looking to grow, sometimes they really want more of you. And that's where I can kind of get involved and say, you know, if you want to hire me individually as a, as a consultant to your company, you know, we can do that as well. And, you know, offering our clients a type of flexibility is really good because it helps them to meet some of their their internal needs uh, a lot of times. And um, it's good extra money, you know, f- for me. But, um, yeah, like I said, the main piece of advice I would give is, is to get out there and build your network because, you know, it, it's crazy. I can get on the phone and make one phone call and have, you know, new, new work coming through the door for me or my business. And that's all because of the network I've built and the relationships I've made. And for anyone that's looking to really to get into any industry, not even just software, that that's the key. Yeah. And what do you think about the, the skills that you've developed over the last couple of years, you know, um, as an entrepreneur, like what are the, the things that you've developed that helped you, you know, get to where you are right now? And, and what are the things that you think you need to develop further to get to where you want to be? Yeah, I mean, a lot like software development, being an entrepreneur is a really iterative process of, of learning and growing over time. It's all, it's um, all iteration, I, right, all the time? Absolutely, man. Always, always getting better. That's how I, I look at everything I do. You know, there's there's no such thing as a, a finished product, you know. And, and um, you know, through the, the years of experience as an entrepreneur now, I've definitely learned a lot about, you know, managing people and managing a business and, and doing sales and marketing and growing and scaling. Um, and, I, you know, it's it's great stuff. And it's it's also beautiful when I'm able to impart that kind of knowledge to others. I really enjoy doing that, whether it's consulting or advising or even just coming on a show like this and, 
giving half an hour or 45 minutes to talk, you know, but, you know, uh, beyond that, in terms of what I want to learn, I think that, you know, the, the main way to learn is by doing. I mean, obviously, I, I went to school and I learned a lot that way as well. But the, the bulk and really the majority of the work I've done, uh, the things I've learned, I should say, this came from just doing things and the work I've done. So for me, I, I would love for more opportunities to work with, with awesome startups, whether they're my own or someone else's. And, you know, just dig deeper into things because that's how I'm going to learn, you know, whether it's I'm learning new technical skills or I'm learning new business management skills or entrepreneurial skills, whatever it may be, you know, just being involved in doing things and, and venturing out and sometimes even going out of my comfort zone and doing things that I haven't done before. That's the best way for me to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. Definitely, bro. No, I totally agree. And especially, you know, iteration and product, iteration in life, it's the kind of stuff where you always have to see, okay, where am I at right now? And what are the changes, the little tweaks that we have to make, you know, on a daily basis? And it's it's being able to iterate with speed and with quality Absolutely. that I think is one of the most, the keys to success because tech is and software is one of those um, industries that are just constantly evolving and changing. It's so freaking fast that you need to be, you need to be fast the way you iterate, the way yeah. you, how, how are we innovating and how are we going to make sure that we, we, uh, we, we stay ahead all the time, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a really fast moving industry. And, you know, I, I can give you countless examples of clients that came to me with awesome ideas. And because they didn't move quickly enough, someone else did it, you know, and, and beat them to it. And, you know, you hear these tragic stories about, you know, $50 million ideas literally being stolen because people couldn't move fast enough. And that's just the reality of, you know, tech startups is you, you have to be lean. You have to be, um, you know, gritty and, and fast moving. You know, you don't have time to, it's even related to what we were talking about before and, you know, building a, multi, uh, a million features. You don't have time for that. You know, you have to be able to prioritize and be able to move quickly and, but also not compromise on quality and, and um, that, that's really what even just building an MVP is all about, you know, maybe for listeners who are kind of confused when we say MVP, what that means, you know, building that minimum viable product and being able to prioritize, identify, here's what we need versus what we don't need, and then being able to get to that MVP as quickly as possible. That's really what I'm all about and what my business is all about. I'm more than willing to take a client and say, hey, you know, it's not even worth paying me to do all that stuff for you just yet. Let's prioritize and focus on what's most important and identify, you know, the, the path of least resistance to get there as quickly as possible. Because that's that's the name of the game in tech and startups. You know, there's too many startups out there that are, are really just playing games and, and wasting time and and um, allowing someone else to beat them. What's your best piece of advice to move fast as like as fast as possible while maintaining and that quality? So what would, what would be that piece of advice that, that you have? And also kind of, I guess it comes down to productivity and to flow of your team because in a startup, especially you have different moving heads, but you know, it's not like you have a crazy amount of team, but you still have different moving heads um, depending on the size of your startup where it needs to be in a good flow and uh, you know that, that working time has to be centered because if it not, and it's not in alignment, everything is going to take a hit. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two main things. You know, one is building strong relationships centered around trust. One, you know, big thing around that is just being able to get people in the same room and allowing them to get to know each other. I mean, I, I've had engagements where I was working like 
pretty remote, you know, with certain startups. And then all of a sudden you put everyone together in the same room and you're, you're just amazed by how much productivity increases because, you know, you, you see people face to face and you, you start to um, develop rapport with them and trust them. And, and that type of stuff is at the core of any type of productive and, and healthy work environment. You know, but the other thing I would say is, is being intentional about your processes and how you're doing things. I mean, especially with startups, but, you know, also with big companies as well, you know, there, there tends to be at times things, you know, just kind of jumbled together and there, there's no, you know, proper infrastructure and processes in place to, to, to operate. And in environments like that, it's very hard to get anything done, you know? So, just being intentional to set up proper processes, like saying, okay, you know, for our software development, let's work in two-week sprints, and we're going to have a meeting at the beginning of the sprint and a meeting in the middle of the sprint and a meeting at the end of the sprint. And we're not going to overmeet and waste time, but we have very, you know, solid and consistent meetings and solid and consistent workflows. Like, that's how things get done and people press along without any type of process and and structure in place, it's very hard for anything to get done. And like I said, that applies for startups, but even for big companies, I've, I've seen it all. So, you know, you put the two of those together, you know, the relationships and the trust along with the processes and the structure. And that's really, I think, the best way to move quickly and, and get things done while, while not, you know, being a mess and, and not having any type of quality in place. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, that, it's kind of that line that you fail to manage and plan. You're basically managing and planning to fail, right? So, Absolutely. And, and that's one of the things that people that don't have um, or teams that don't have a solid product owner or solid project manager that, you know, that is putting – because a lot of the times, you know, it's not going to necessarily be the developer or necessarily be the designer um, unless they're, ex, you know, experienced. They have you – know, they, they usually have a good uh, sense of, you know, project management and everything, but a lot of times you need to have someone very solid who's going to make sure that, you know, those dates, you know, are, are kept and, and those deadlines are, are hit with the proper reminders, making sure that everyone's on track, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to, to your point, you know, not just the, the, the project management skills, but even the technical skills and, you know, especially with the types of clients we work with, that's, you know, for the majority of the project, that's where we can deliver the most value because, a lot of times I see these non-technical founders, you know, trying to build these relatively technical products. And even if you're the best project manager in the world, if you don't have any type of technical expertise and understanding of the, the, the technology and the software that's being built, it's going to be a challenge. And you're end up you're going to end up, you know, spending a lot of money and a lot of time doing the wrong things. So, you know, for us, part a big part of the value we create is being able to, like I said, kind of abstract that away where you could just be interfacing with me or one of our other team members and we're, you know, technical enough and have the project management expertise to go and manage that, those intricacies of, of the software and, and what's being built. And that's really what's, what's you know, most important um, when, it, when it comes to, um, you know, being effective um about about your software development amazing man yeah so yeah i absolutely love that what what um we're gonna start wrapping up soon is there anything in particular right now that you're most excited about or you want to you, you want to touch base on yeah i mean there's there's one thing that you know has, has really been you know been going on that's that's just um 
you know, had my, my attention, it very captivated my attention blockchain, for a while right? now. Yeah, it's blockchain and crypto. I, I, you know, I had people talking to me about it in 2015, 2016, and I was like, what is this? You know, it's funny. Mm -hmm. There's a book I read on this topic, and very smart guy says, when I first heard about Bitcoin, I thought it was like silly internet nerd money. You know, that was really my, my impression of the whole thing when I heard about it. But then as I learned more about, you know, decentralization and, and use cases for the technology beyond, you know, just these, these random crypto tokens, um, I, I just got like completely enamored with the technology. And it's become a big focus of, of you know, my personal work as well as our, our, our consulting and um, our software development agency's work, you know, since I would say mid to late 2017. So like we do a lot of smart contract development on Ethereum and, you know, we, we do private blockchain implementations and, you know, we, we help companies build and issue tokens and the whole gamut, you know, and that technology is so interesting to me because the way I think about it is um, just a new layer to the internet. You know, we had, um, you know, the, the, the web 1.0 revolution of, you know, the, the mid to late 90s and early 2000s. Um, and then we had the Web 2.0 movement, you know, the kind of like the social media movement of, um, I would say, like the last 10, 15 years or so. And then now, you know, we're entering this Web 3 movement, this, this blockchain, this decentralized movement, which is in some ways a return to the Internet of the past before, you know, big centralized, companies like Facebook and Uber came onto the scene in the Web 2.0 movement. But, you know, this, this Web 3.0 movement is something that, that I really believe in. It's, it's captivated my attention. I even, you know, had a blockchain startup that I worked on for, uh, you know, about a year. And, um, yeah, I, I just think it's the future. It's the trust layer for the Internet. And it's, it's bringing the Internet back to, you know, where it should be. And um, that's really exciting to me. It's like the Internet is getting this extra depth you know it's more absolutely. more dimensions in every way absolutely absolutely man it's awesome so let's just say for people who, who maybe don't understand crypto or or blockchain try to explain that in like two sentences each <laughs> sure yeah it's 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 one of those things that's really hard to to explain i know that's kind of asking but, but i can that. definitely try i mean i do it all the time yeah. so um you know think of of a blockchain like uh, a ledger at a bank, right? So like if you open an account at a bank, you know, yeah. you have a ledger that says all of your debits and your credits and the bank maintains that ledger, right? Um, the, the, the really amazing part about blockchain and cryptocurrency is the idea of decentralizing control over that ledger to say, we don't need to trust that bank or that financial institution to maintain and update that ledger. We can use a peer-to-peer -peer network of computers to maintain and update that ledger. And this reduces the, the trust and the counterparty risk that's associated with, you know, maintaining this ledger. And, you know, people hear that and they, and they hear about crypto and they immediately think about financial use cases. And it, it is technology that's going to completely, you know, revolutionize the financial sector, but it's so much more than that. I mean, you know, the idea of ledgers can be applied to anything, you know, really. And I, I expect to see this technology um, impact a lot of different industries and, and use cases beyond just uh, fintech. 
Yeah. Well, well, well done, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about technology and I'm passionate about helping, you know, startup founders. That's really what I'm all about. 100%. Yeah, and we've been getting so many questions about it. So I said, you know what, let me bring on bring on Sam because you're you're young, you're killing it. You're uh, you're obviously very passionate about it. And and uh, I'm excited to, to see you in, in a couple of years, man. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate that. And thanks for having me on board. One last one last question, man, that pretty much ask all my my guests on board is if right now I can give you a piece of paper, bro, and on that piece of paper, you have to write down you know, the experience that you've had in your life so far. What is like your biggest truth or something that you want to basically hand down to a future daughter, son, um, you know, family member, someone who's going to be able to look at it, put it in their pocket and every single day, whenever they feel like they need of it, they're going to take that piece of paper out and read it. What would you write on that piece of paper and what would be your words to success? Yeah, I would just say, you know, start to dig deep and identify what am I really interested and passionate about? And then think about, you know, how can I take this to the next level and, and make it my own? And, you know, sometimes you have to do that in spite of other people and, and what they're saying to you. You know, like I've had family members that think I'm crazy for working with startups and you know, building software all day. But, you know, I've owned it and I've said, this is what I'm passionate about and this is what I want to do. And, you know, like I said, taking it from an interest and taking it to the next level, that's really what it's all about. Amazing, brother. All right, Sam. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you. And I'm excited to see what's in store, my friend. Yeah, thanks again for having me, Juan. It's great talking with you. My pleasure, bro. All right, take care, man. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Sam. If you want to learn more about Sam, you can go to wordsuccess.com under episodes. Click on Sam and all his information is there. Also, you can go to samuelcorso.com, samuelcorso.com. If you are interested in maybe getting some consulting for development work or anything like that, he's the man, and uh, he could definitely put you on the right track. So that's it, guys. If you are enjoying the show, we appreciate a review on iTunes, and uh, just let us know what you're thinking, who you want to see on the next upcoming episodes, and we have a really big surprise coming in this summer for word success and everyone who who is a listener no matter where you are in the world you're going to be able to benefit from this all right so thank you so much for being you and keep working keep spreading peace and love all right i'll see you soon vamos vamos, vamos.